unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Good evening, everybody. It's good to see you way back there like that. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Ronnie Johnson, I think you have our prayer for tonight. Wow, that worked. (laughs) Okay, I have some announcements to make. Uh, Doug is away in a meeting. He's normally doing this, but we pray that he's having success and that I think the meeting maybe ends tonight, so we'll pray that he has a, a safe return to us. The food pantry and the clothes closet are going to meet tomorrow at 9 o'clock. That usually goes an hour and a half till around 10.30. We need workers, so if you're available during that time, we'd love for you to come and be a part of that great outreach work. Freed Hardeman Associates' annual salad luncheon is coming up June the 30th. It will be from 11 until 1 p.m. in the Annex. Tickets are available now from any associate for $10 each. Hey, if you're one of the associates, put your hand up real quick. Okay, look around. You can get your ticket from those folks. All right, thanks. Uh, The ladies' class that was scheduled to be at our house on Thursday night, that's been postponed at least one more week. Anita and my mother-in-law are... On the road right now, traveling back here to Boonville. So um, pray that they'll have a successful, easy, stress-less trip and be back with us really soon. Now, there are three things that are happening on Sunday that we want you to be aware of that will immediately follow our worship period. 
Number one, we're going to begin making pictures for our new church directory. If you want a new picture made and your last name begins with A through H, please meet in the front of the auditorium on the left side. I guess that's on that side. So if you're A through H and you want a new picture or we don't have your picture, please be here for that. Now I suggested, this is just me, I don't know, trying to be helpful as always, but I suggested if we don't have a picture of you and you refuse to give a picture or show up for the picture that we just put like a picture of a donkey there. <laughs> so if you don't want your picture, I, I can't say what might happen. All session three Maywood campers and a parent are to meet with Drew Bruce in front of the auditorium on Sunday. They'll be on the right side. All ladies who would like to help with a baby shower for Laura Galloway, I hope that wasn't a secret, <laughs> you're asked to meet in the little chapel on Sunday morning. These happen immediately following worship. This Saturday is our Super Saturday. It's going to take place from 9 until 2.30 p.m. If your child is coming or they have a friend that's coming, please be sure to pre-register them tonight. There are forms in the foyer, and I suppose it will be okay to stack them on the information booth. But the best place to take them would be down the hallway into the box that's right in front of Stephen Hodgins' office. Now, Stephen is also asking for additional help. If you can help on Saturday, please let Stephen know by text, and he will put you in a much-needed place. We have a lot of folks coming. We want to make sure it's sufficiently staffed. So please do a couple of those things. If you can help, let Stephen know. If you have children that are coming, please pre-register. I encouraged you on Sunday, please come and support the Dawson's as they're going through a grieving process, on Monday was Don's funeral at Kessler Funeral Home. And the building was full. And really appreciate those of you who were able to come. And maybe many more of you would have been there had whatever it was not come up. But thank you to those who were able to come. It's just such an encouragement, especially to Brenda. And she just continued to speak about how grateful she was for her church family in the midst of a lot of people maybe who are even unchurched. So that was a great testimony, I think, to the heart that you have for our members and especially a tribute to, to Don and Brenda. Also really appreciate the folks that participated with the meal of providing food for it and also for being there. That also says something about the congregation, about how much we, we care about the encouraging aspect of it. Uh, food's always a comfort, yes? And it's in those times that we're able to unwind a little bit when we're around a table enjoying a meal. So really appreciate everybody who did anything for this family in that regard. Uh, J.T. Beard and Jim Estes have been participating in a new round of Bible studies at our local jail. Just recently got permission to go back. And so at this point, they are basically uh, meeting at least once a month. But they had a Bible study this afternoon at the jail. And Jim baptized Jesus Rogers. Isn't that great news? Yes, it is. We rejoice. So why don't you, you know, when you see Jim or JT, just, you know, encourage them. I will tell you from experience that 
the jail ministry, it is a difficult work and it oftentimes is quite involved and, you know, it's, it's not really appreciated as much as maybe many of our other works are, but it bears fruit. So let those guys know how much you appreciate them for taking on that work. If I failed to make your announcement, I'm sorry. I, I did the best I knew how. We're going to be in a period of devotion now. Anthony's going to lead us in our singing. Ronnie's going to lead us in a prayer. So please get a songbook. We'll sing. We'll have our devotional thoughts, invitation, and then our closing prayer. Mark number 552. 552 of the song of invitation. Then turn to number 453. 453. We'll sing the first and third verse. I will sing the Bible sets out as its purpose to show us the beauty of Jesus, to describe Jesus sufficiently through time as to put his beauty on display for our very souls. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the apostle Paul said, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. God was manifested in the flesh. In John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, John declared that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. In verse 14, describing Jesus this way, he said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And 
We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was justified in the spirit. Not justified like we are from sin that we've committed, but something else. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 declares that Jesus, though he was tempted in all points as we are, yet he was without sin. Justification by the Spirit was more than just a reconciliation with God. It was actually the Spirit giving testimony to the truth of who Jesus was as the Son of God. In John chapter 15 and verse 26, that text tells us that the Spirit himself testified to the reality of Jesus. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 16, Peter says, For we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we may know to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The whole purpose of the work of that Spirit in Jesus' time was to give testimony to the fact that he was the Son of God. He was justified in the spirit and he was, I love this, he was seen by angels. He certainly was seen by angels at his birth when the host of angels sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He was also seen by angels at his temptation. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 11 we find out that following that temptation and 40 days and 40 nights fasting, that angels ministered to him. He was seen at his resurrection. When the women came to the tomb, there was an angel there who declared, he is not here, but he is risen. And then, of course, he was seen at his ascension. The apostles had their eyes fixed on Jesus as he was ascending to heaven, but the angels, they took note of that and changed the perspective of everything declaring that Jesus, just as he had left in the clouds, would one day return. He was seen by angels and preached among the Gentiles. That's the message of the gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, beginning, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, carrying the gospel to every creature, not just Jew, but also Gentile. He was believed on in the world. So the gospel was preached first in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2. But it didn't just stop there. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is actually the entire plan for the spread of the gospel that they would begin there in Jerusalem, then it would spread to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And as the gospel was preached, souls were being saved, and Paul, toward the end of his own ministry, said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, that the gospel had been preached to every creature under heaven. And he was, the text says, received up in glory. That's the beautiful part of all this. Jesus didn't just do a mission. It wasn't just pointing to something that would happen and then create a condition of redemption, but that Jesus remained involved even after his own death and ascension to the Father with the promise of coming back for the saved someday. In John chapter 14, John says, as he quotes Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And right there to me is the true beauty of Jesus. Not only did he make a means by which we could be saved through obedience to the gospel, but he doesn't leave us behind. He promises to come again. The question for you tonight is, are you ready for him to come? You know, if it were up to me, I'd snap my finger. He'd return right now. And what a glorious event that would be. But some of us aren't ready for that snap of the finger. To think of Jesus coming in the clouds to receive us into himself is a beautiful thought. But there's also a contrasting image of Jesus coming in vengeance with fire. When Jesus returns, will you see his beauty or will it be terror for you? Tonight, you have an opportunity to respond to the saving gospel, if you will. So if there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason at all, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come up if you need to while we stand together and sing this song. come to thee tonight so very thankful for so many things but most of all father on my mind tonight is your written word I can't even imagine what it would be like to live and not have your word to go to when we have questions about what we should do and how we should live I can't imagine what it would be like if we had to depend on what other people told us to know what you want done but you saw the way, and you gave us your written word, and it's so wonderful that we have it with us. And it's so wonderful that we have times like tonight that we come together, that we explore the word, and we study, and we learn more about what you want us to do. Father, we'd like to thank you for all the blessings, more especially, Father, the beautiful days, the beautiful weather that we're having. Thank you for sparing us from so many calamities that goes on in this world. And we ask you to continue to bless us, bless this body that meets here. We're so thankful for all the friendly faces and all the good times and all the comfort that it gives us to come together. You told us in your word that not to forsake coming together like some people do. And when you got trouble, even come together more than, and it works, it works. Thank you so much, but most of all, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that you were willing and he was willing to come to this earth and live as one of us, but yet live that perfect sinless life that he could be slain for our sins. Because we know it takes blood and he was willing to give his for us. We thank this, thank you for this, thank Jesus for this. And we ask it all in his blessed name, in the name of, in the name of Christ, amen. As our teachers leave to prayer for our class, we'll sing the first verse of number 874. 874. 
Okay, we might as well get started. It's really great to have you with us. Hey, it's no joke. You know, when you stand up there and you are speaking to this group, it seems like you are forever away. It is odd. Anthony was like, you know, wow, you just feel kind of disconnected. So it's great to be back with you <laughs> down here with the folks and really, really look forward to the midweek just kind of get your batteries recharged and see one another. And I do hope you're having a great, great week. And if you're available tomorrow morning, it'd be, it'd be terrific if you could come 9 o'clock and help either with uh, the food distribution or with the clothes closet. And there's even, there's even uh, uh, a group that kind of gathers information. Maybe that's your thing. You'll meet with uh, the folks that come through and just make a good impression on them. But if you can help, that'd be terrific. And Saturdays, a super Saturday, be a lot of children here and all hands on deck, you know. Need a lot of help with that too. So look forward to some really good things. Okay, we have some sick people and I've taken some names off the list. I took Luther off. Luther said he's not sick anymore. So, uh, But I'm going to thank God for his continuing recovery. And look, I'll be quick to put you back on here if I have to. So. And then Lynn. Lynn is ready to be off the list too. So I don't know. It's almost like a graduation or something. Yeah. But we're thankful that they're doing so much better. But we have a lot of people who are not. Irene Baker has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz. T today was his birthday. Is that right? So we rejoice in that and um, just pray that his treatments are going to be successful. Uh, Wade Davis he went missing June the 22nd. Here we are in June, a couple of weeks away from an entire year. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Kelby Smith has Parkinson's. Van Roberts has cancer. Paul Rollison has cancer. Lex Crossan was here Sunday. Many of you were able to see him and visit with him. Very, very glad for that. Norma Hemwell is Joan and Martha's sister. She has chronic health problems. Marty Woodruff and his wife Donna both have cancer. Eli Johnson's undergoing treatments. James Goddard has cancer. John Roten has health problems. I think Peggy's under the weather as well. We want to remember her. Uh, Ann Langford is Lisa Peake's friend. She has arthritis, very painful. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paula Nichols, cancer. Sharon Strickland, cancer. Grayson Miller has cancer. Scotty Ennis has cancer. Paul Goldman has cancer. Pat Moore has cancer. Teresa Burcham has cancer. Laura Galloway is pregnant. We pray for her successful delivery. Lauren Brumlin's pregnant. We pray for her too. Linda Garrett's here tonight. She looks good, but she's you still undergoing tests or treatments, I guess. Uh, Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Mike Vance has cancer. Yes. Is that Mike? Okay. I'll take him off then. Yes, ma'am. I'm I'm thankful. Boy, it's a big graduation ceremony here. Uh, Dave Woodrow's got some problems he's dealing with. Jeremy Owens has brain tumor. Marley Warner's undergoing rehab. Larry Muse has cancer. Angie Smith has cancer, or South has cancer. Lennox Kenimer's five years old, has leukemia. Brenda Taylor has bladder cancer. Linda Beard had hip replacement surgery little less than a month ago, praying for her recovery. Roy Taylor had a heart attack. Has anything changed? He is still at home. Okay. Pat Cooper still improving? Okay, good. You want me to take her, graduate her too? You do? Okay. I'll do it. Don't mess with me. I'll take her right off. It's her birthday. Oh, that's great. Uh, Minnie Yarbrough, how's she? She's been 
Okay. So she's doing, doing well? What do you think about her? Is she graduating too? She's not graduating. Okay. Uh, holding her back. Uh, Michael McBrayer's four years old. He's been taking treatments for cancer and they're making trips uh, to St. Jude. Betty Cosby has liver problems. Joy Jameson, uh, that's Hannah Down's father. He's, he's very much improved. He's driving and such. Uh, Janie Toller fell, uh, had sustained several injuries. Flora Warner, how is she? Okay. <laughs> See, you know I'm not messing around. <laughs> okay. Uh, my mother-in-law, Ruth Saley, was released from the hospital. We were all surprised. Uh, and uh, they're on the road right now. So they're spending the night, and then tomorrow they're going to drive on down here. So pray that they make the trip okay. And then uh, Don Dawson's funeral was on Monday. Anybody else for this list? of recoveries, or at least people are doing so much better. And I just thank God for that and for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we're thankful to you for your blessings on this day. And I just rejoice that uh, we took several people off this list. Uh, you know their, their real current circumstances. And while some have improved and maybe are doing a lot better, still have a still have a road ahead of them, and it isn't that we don't care. We certainly do, and, and if we had the time and the ability, we'd just spend all night talking about folks that are sick. But we do rejoice that these folks are well enough that um, they're just they're, uh, thanking you and showing gratitude by moving on with their recoveries, and uh, we just rejoice in that. And Lord, we know that there are some folks that are still suffering and maybe not getting better or really not recovering like they had hoped. And we're praying, Lord, that you'll have mercy on these precious souls. We ask your blessings on Irene Baker that she'll have good days, especially with Melinda. Bless Austin Wentz as he rejoices over another birthday. And we pray that uh, his treatments will go well and he'll get healthy. Pray for the Davis family who are approaching a, just a, a difficult um, anniversary of such, of sorts. And Lord, we just pray your comfort on this family as they, they go through a, even a whole year without weight or knowledge of his whereabouts. We pray for Carolyn Wilcus' recovery. Bless Bobby Petty. Bless Kelby Smith and Van Roberts. Be with Paul Rollison and Lex Crossan. We're glad he's doing better. Pray for Norma Hemwell that she'll have good days. Be with Marty and Donna Woodruff as they both battle cancer. We pray for Eli Johnson and his treatments. Bless James Goddard who has cancer. Bless John Roten that he'll have good days. And we pray for Ann Langford to be free from pain. Be with Emma Hutton who has cancer. Paul Nichols, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, Scotty Ennis, Paul Goldman, Pat Moore, Teresa Burcham, who all have cancer. We pray your blessings on Laura and Lauren as they both go through their pregnancies. We ask your continued blessings on Linda Garrett as she undergoes treatments. Be with Barbara Foster in her battle with cancer. We pray Dave Woodrow will have good days. Be with Jerry, Jeremy Owens, who has cancer. Bless Marley Warner in her recovery. We pray for Larry Muse, who has cancer. Angie South and Lennox Kenimer, who all have cancer. 
Pray for Brenda Taylor in her battle with bladder cancer. Please bless Linda Beard that she can have a full recovery from her recent surgery, and we pray that she can be back with us soon. Be with Roy Taylor in his recovery that he'll get strong enough to have the treatment that uh, perhaps will um, extend his life. We pray for Minnie Arbor and her uh, recovery and uh, rehab. We pray for Micah McBrayer and his treatments. Be with Betty Cosby who has liver problems. Be with Joey Jameson in his recovery. We pray for um, Janie Toller who fell and uh, broke some ribs and we pray that rehab will go well. Be with Flora Warner uh, who's re-injured her back. We are thankful, Lord, that Ruth Staley's doing better and has been released from the hospital. Pray you'll be with her and Anita as they travel home. Uh, please be with the Dawson family as they grieve uh, over Don's passing. We pray for Eddie Scott who has cancer and we pray that his circumstances will turn and he'll feel better. And we pray for Larry George who has health issues. Be with us, Lord, as we study together and help us to, help us to become uh, better in our understanding of your word, but especially, Lord, in our understanding of what you expect of us in tending to our families. And thank you for the blessing of family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing with that. I just uh, ask God to bless us in. Tonight, we're going to talk about spiritual well-being, being well in your family, spiritually. You know, there are people in your family who are responsible to see over your spiritual needs. In a home that's been organized by God, the primary responsibility is to the father. The father is to teach and admonish his children to train them up in the way that they should go. I know that mothers oftentimes have some of that, if in some cases not all of it, the responsibility to see to the spiritual upbringing of their children. Nevertheless, it's God's plan that spiritual well-being in that family be directed to the spiritual head of that family, and that would be the father. In every home, there has to be a spiritual center. Now, in this case, when I say center, I'm really referring to that which everything else revolves around. It does not revolve around a particular person in the family. Some people talk about their patriarchs in the family. And Honestly, in my own family, I could identify, or at least I could have identified in years past, the people who were our patriarchs, perhaps the aged one. And as I was growing up, it was my grandfather. He may not have been the wealthiest or the most educated, but when it came right down to it, when the rubber met the road, everybody wanted his approval. He was the patriarch. He was the one everybody respected as being kind of the leader of the family. And then when he passed, it went on to one of his sons. That's how it used to be. It's getting more difficult to recognize that in families these days as they spread out. Nevertheless, in some families that don't have a spiritual center, usually it's a person who becomes the focus. Well... Christian families have patriarchs in them, as I already identified in my own family. But our lives did not center around my grandfather, nor did our lives center around the person who followed in his steps. Our lives centered around God and his word of the Christ who died for all of us. And I don't know what your circumstance was because circumstances in this room are so varied but people have asked me about my own personal spiritual journey. And first thing I come up with is that I'm a fifth generation Christian. Now, if you add that all up, you realize that there were people in my family who were Christians before I was ever born. 
So I was born into a family that was made up of, certainly at one time, 100% Christians. In fact, the local church in our community, almost every member in that church was in one way or another related to me. And in large part, that's still true. Many of the descendants of those who have gone by to their reward are still represented in that community and in that church. A spiritual center was at one point established and then for many, many, many generations that center point remained the focus. When you have a focus, a center point like that, a spiritual one, you can be sure that there's quite a bit of unity and love that's being experienced in the family. For all of us, God becomes the instructor or the mechanism by which that center is established and creates a foundation for our families. Now, I say it that way because Jesus described it that way. Now, we're going to appropriate it a little bit because I do believe that what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, was really directed at disciples themselves and the choices that they had to make. But by extension, just as much as that would be true for the individual, if I'm going to have the spiritual well-being of my family at heart, then I'm going to be sure that I do what is necessary to establish my family, my home, on a strong, solid, spiritual foundation. Rick, would you read that text for us? Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, notice carefully how subtle this really is. A solid rock of a foundation is based on people who hear and then what? Do. Hear and do solid foundation. The foolish people who build their houses, in our case we're talking about our homes, but those who build their house on sand he describes as those who hear, well, that's the same as the first, but they do not do. He's not talking about people who just won't hear. He's talking about people who do hear, but they just don't act. If we're going to have families that have a spiritual center, who enjoy spiritual well-being then we're going to have people in a family who don't just know some things about God, but that they've learned, they understand, and then they act. Now, in the case of the illustration that Jesus gives, there's tremendous blessing. You know, even when the storms arise, however treacherous the effects of that storm, if it's on a rock, it's not going to fall. I don't know about you. Well, I'm pretty sure I do know about you. But I can speak for myself in saying that I want a home that's founded on the rock. That means that me in particular, as, you know, the spiritual leader or even a patriarch in my family, so to speak, that I have a responsibility not just to know what's right, but to do it. And then if my family's going to be centered on that, then by extension, they're going to know it, but I'm also going to help them 
to facilitate the doing of what it is that we need to do in order to satisfy the will of God. If we'll do that, then there are some inherent blessings that are found. Now, I'm going to tell you that there are more blessings than we could possibly talk about tonight. But in the interest of kind of stimulating this thought, I wanted to go over with you at least six different blessings that we're going to have if we build our homes on the spiritual foundation. Okay. Now, the first thing that we're going to, to discover is that we can, we can find real purpose and real meaning in life if we'll build our home on a solid spiritual foundation. Now, there are a couple of questions that go along, that go along with that. Boy, this is testy, isn't it? Okay, back up. All right, a couple of things. One would be the question of what. What? And one is why. Why am I here? You know, why, why, am, why am I in existence? And what is it that I am supposed to do? Now, those are philosophical types of questions that everybody asks. You don't have to be in a home that's trying to find a spiritual foundation to be asking questions like that. Atheists will ask the very same kinds of questions and just try to discover a suitable answer, something that maybe satisfies their own inquiries. I'm not talking about that, but if I am a person who is spiritually centered, then in order to answer these types of questions, I'm going to go to a spiritual source. Uh, there are a couple of passages of scripture that come to mind. <laughs> what am I doing right here? I just keep messing with this. Okay, there are a couple of things that Okay. There are a couple of things that uh, come to mind for us. One, uh, one would be 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. And then another text is Ecclesiastes. Uh, this will trip you up. I got it. I got <laughs> oh, you got hand. it. I got my got hand on. Okay. Ecclesiastes. Um, Chapter 12 and verse 13. Okay, these are classic texts. You've heard them before, but think of them in terms of, what do I do? What, what, what am I all here about? Okay, go ahead. I don't think you're on. We're just having all kinds of technical difficulties. Or you're bought Okay, so you were bought with a price. You're going to glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. What, what are you here for? To glorify God, how? In your body, which means what? What is your body for? It, it's for doing stuff, isn't it? It's your vehicle through life. So your body and your spirit. Your body does stuff. What does your spirit do? <laughs> we hope so, or else you're what? A body without the spirit is dead. Okay, so yeah, we hope that spirit stays there. The spirit is what is receiving the word from God. Now, what is it we were going to do with our foundation? If you have a solid foundation, what do you do? You're committing yourself, your body, and your spirit to doing what? Hearing the word of God and then doing it. You hear it or receive it or understand it with your spirit. Your spirit's nurtured with the word of God. And then with your body, you do the word of God. Yes? So what are we here for? Just that, isn't it? Yes, to hear and to then enact and do. He says so right there in that text, a reflection of Matthew chapter 7. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. This is a statement by the wisest man who ever lived. What does he have to say about it? Okay, stop right there. The conclusion, this is it. The end, you don't have to study it anymore. This is the last word on the matter. Okay, go ahead. The whole duty, everything you were ever made for is wrapped up in doing what? 
fear God and keep his commandments. Okay, now watch this. When you fear God, how is that best demonstrated? You do what to him? I hear and obey. So I, I hear what you say, Lord. I hear what you're saying. But think about prophets of old. Here's a great, uh, great quote. Here am I, send me. After feeling convicted for sin and then being forgiven, what does Isaiah say he'll do? I'll go, I'll go. I hear and I obey. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, I accept what you say, I obey. Fear God, I hear, and keep his commandments. How do you keep the commandments? What is it, what's involved in keeping them? It's not just knowing them, is it? It's doing them. So what is my purpose? Um, you know, what, what is the whole business of my life? What meaning does my life have? Let me tell you what. You will have satisfied the deepest need and urge of your being if you will listen to God and do what he says. Now, there will be a lot of people who spend their entire lifetime unsatisfied. What is my purpose? What do I do? What's it all about? You will have sailed past them when you have committed yourself to building this spiritual foundation. And the reason why is because you have already come to the conclusion of the matter. And if you'll do that, you will find absolute satisfaction from the human standpoint. Okay? That is a blessing that comes as a result of having this spiritual foundation. I know what I'm all about. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know that I have, I have worth before God, and then God recognizes those who are serving Him. Okay, a second thing that is a benefit is that we receive the guidelines for living. I mean, we receive from the Lord the things that are necessary in order to live a successful and a happy life. Uh, let me ask this question. Now, I say that, you know, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. I say that the Bible gives us guidelines for living. Let me ask you this question. Did, I, I'm going to quit writing on this thing because it keeps messing me up. Okay, so did Jesus teach good values. Okay. What were some of them? So many people say yes, it's overwhelming. So what were they? Okay. He went about doing good. So by extension, what about us? We should too do the same thing. We're his disciples. So we follow in his footsteps. Do good. Anything else? Okay. He's kind. So kindness is is a good value that he teaches. What else? What? Being a good neighbor? Absolutely. And, and when you are a good neighbor as Jesus would have you be, uh, what impact do you have on the world? Well, they'll, they'll see it in you. Now, you know, neighbor, he even goes into an entire parable uh, in expression of what neighborliness is from unexpected places, right? But it is valuing others. You're putting others ahead. You're not letting the little wrinkles of life get in the way of doing what is right. Jesus loved us and died for us even when we're sinners and he's, you know, he's going to be crucified on the cross, ultimately uh, suffering and dying up there. Wow. I mean, he loved us even in spite of all that. So that's quite a standard of neighborliness, right? Anything else? Jesus teaches in terms of value. Okay, forgiveness is a big one. I was thinking of a couple. One, uh, Matthew, well, I'm just going to call these out to you because they, it's, I'm having trouble. My big fingers are getting in the way. Okay, one is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. You probably know that one by heart. What do we call that statement? The golden rule, the golden rule, right? How do I treat others? The way I want to be treated. That's simple. Isn't that easy to remember? How should I, oh boy, I'm going to let, wait a minute. Would I, would I want somebody to treat me like I'm about to treat them? Probably not. You say, oh, well, I'm justified because they, 
Whoa, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, treat them like you want to be treated. Uh, Jesus goes into even greater detail about that. Notice, okay, this fulfilled the law and the prophets. Now watch this little subtle change, not a subtle change, add this to it. From Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 37, or 37 to 40. Read that. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Okay, let's stop right here for a second. The second is like this first one. What is it about the second one that's like it? So I love God with what? Heart, soul, mind. When he says the second one's like it, what is he suggesting is like it? Just as you love God with your heart, your soul, and your mind, how are you going to love your neighbor? Let's find out. Let's go ahead and read that. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love them like you love yourself. How do you love yourself? Probably with all you've got, right? I mean, it is you. No matter what you've done, you probably still get up in the morning and dress yourself and make yourself pretty or handsome. You think good thoughts, whatever. You dress yourself up for success. You go out and you think the best. You, pardon? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. A, a reflection of the self-care. I mean, that is a natural thing that we have. Jesus says, the second where I'm telling you to love your neighbor as yourself is like the first one where I told you to love God with all that you've got. Well, guess what? When you love your neighbor, what do you hold back from him? Nothing. You're loving him with what? With all you've got. Okay, so there's a change. We talked about spiritually we are impacted by Jesus. What does Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 tell us about the impact of that? What should be seen in us? Okay, meekness, temperance. And against such there is no law. Why is there no law against those? <laughs> because it, it's the right thing. The law was against that which was opposed to God in His way. So if it's not opposed to God in His... In fact, if it is a reflection of... And here's where we'll insert this idea. The very values and the qualities of God, then of course there's nothing wrong with those, right? Because that's what we're supposed to be coming. And He says the fruit of the Spirit, that which is the outgrowth of the impact of the Spirit in your life is going to be these characteristics. It's not like we sit down and say, okay, today I'm going to work on this one and this one. It's not mechanical like that. A life that's been submitted to Jesus Christ that says I'm going to hear and I'm going to obey, doesn't it seem like that would automatically be the result? Not dread this way. Well, sure it would be. Okay, Jesus had some other things similar to this, like... I didn't give you these, but these popped in my head just now. Uh, John chapter 13. You're close there. John 13, 34 and 35. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. The law wasn't even intended for good law-abiding, well, <laughs> God-fearing people. Okay, read that text. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I will love you, that you also Okay, you know that to love your neighbor as yourself was actually an Old Testament command in the book of Leviticus. Jesus says, though, what I'm telling you is new, in that it isn't just going through the motions of doing a thing, but that it's driven by what? Genuine, actual love. I'm going to do it for somebody who wouldn't even do it back for me. That's that kind of love. And then the other one I was going to give you, Rick, was uh, John 17, verses 20 and 21. And then that gets back to the, the hearing and the doing aspect of it.
It's not just that this will benefit into your spiritual foundation, but it also is an identifier of you with Jesus, holding to the truth and then that John 13 passage of love as well. Uh, these other things, our time has run out. Uh, freedom and peace, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 talks about our peace uh, that passes all understanding. A positive outlook about life. We're going to be determined no matter what. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. We're going to have support from like-minded people, in particular the church, so we find the blessings of association. And read Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47. You'll see a beautiful thing that happens among those Christians that were converted there on the day of Pentecost. And then, access to the power of God. I'll give you a few passages that will be fun for you to look at. One of them is Psalm 46 and verse 11. It's just a statement about the power of God. And then Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, that talks about the Lord being with us no matter what. And then the final one, and you'll have to look at this one up, probably don't get into the book of Daniel very much, but read this short little section, Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. This is Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, the king, but Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has had this dream and he's trying to find somebody to answer it. And finally, Daniel, he's remembered and he comes in there and he says, now let me say this first to you king about God. And what he says about God in those verses says a lot about what we benefit from as his children. Okay, thank you so much for your attention tonight. We'll have a quick little prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for a great day today and thank you for this time that we can study together. Pray, Lord, you'll help us strengthen our families. Help us to just really have a central focus in our spirituality, especially as leaders in our families. Pray that you'll bless us with safe return home, if it's your will, and a new day. If you'll grant it, I pray, Lord, you'll put all kinds of opportunities for service at our disposal. In Jesus' name, amen.